All right, everybody, it is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, We give you tips on how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for making Crypto 101 podcast part of your weekly routine and also driving us up the charts. Bryce, I don't know if you even know this, but we are now in the top 20 crypto podcasts in all of the United States business, uh, ahead of some things even like Jim Cramer's Mad Money. No, what, time what, time, you, you actually on- misspoke. We're not the top 20 of the the crypto podcasts in the US. We're the top 20 business podcasts in the US. That's right, that's right. So that is um, a new hallmark for us. We're official, people are paying attention to what we say. We have to be careful. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with us. It's about the market and about the kick-ass guests that all come on like our guests today. (laughs) They, They are the real stars of the show. And I'm really happy that we've got someone else who goes by a moniker, uh, by a pseudonym, we have Red from the Harvest Finance community, the community manager. Welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Now that we've got uh, the world watching us, we're going to talk about some DGen stuff. Really get people <laughs> what they need to know to be successful in this world. But we're not going to talk about Doge. We're not going to talk about uh, the latest uh, cute coin that's pumped. We're going to talk about something that's actually delivering real value. Some honest work, if you will. Uh, Give us the origin story of yield farming. What is this? Who came up with it? And at a high level, what's actually going on here? Well, I don't know exactly who invented yield farming per se. I think it was really popularized by Andre Kranji. Um, when he lear- uh, launched the the Wiren product, which is basically kind of like under this uh, fair launch um, paradigm where instead of a, an ICO, an initial coin offering, where maybe a, a project was trying to say, hey, here's our project, we'll sell you a bunch of tokens with Andre Kranji's project, you could just deposit some liquidity at that project. And then over time, they would reward you um, with ownership tokens or the governance tokens of the wire and platform without actually having to exchange like your valuable Ethereum um, for what's potentially could be a worthless token, right? So um, you're essentially gaining these tokens for free by simply providing liquidity to their system. And that's kind of uh, what the crux of yield farming is. Various platforms that are decentralized that don't have a, an owner per se, um, say like an exchange referred to as a DEX, a decentralized exchange. If there is no owner or no like bankroll or, or 
uh, backing money for that exchange. Like when you walk in with USD and say, hey, I want euros so I can go on a trip to Europe. There's a big bank financial institution there with a bunch of investors that say um, already have a big pool of money there. So you can easily make that swap. On these decentralized um, organizations, there's not those big bankers there. So they rely on people like you or me to act as like a pseudo banker. You all deposit your money in one giant pool of money, whether it's like euros or USD. And then if somebody wants to come and trade um, for one or the other, the system can automatically do it because there's money deposited there. And so to incentivize people for providing liquidity to that exchange, for acting as the pseudo bank, they give you reward tokens. And so yield farming is the intentional act of going around and providing liquidity at these various platforms to acquire their reward tokens for a profit. So you're essentially farming yield, which is the, the reward tokens those platforms are handing out. Wow. So, so that's definitely a lot. And I, I think over the course of the, the next half hour, you know, 45 minutes that we go at this, we're, we're going to attack DeFi from a couple different ways. But I think a lot of people are kind of asking like, so, so this guy, Andre Kronji, he kind of comes up with this new idea of how to have a fair launch for cryptocurrencies. And that birthed uh, decentralized finance and the birth of like, you know, all these, you know, crazy, crazy, cool new coins. But, but why, right? Like, what was he trying to imitate, right? What was he trying to get away from? And I, I kind of want to frame this was he was trying to imitate the launch of Bitcoin, and he was trying to get away from kind of this pre-mine. Um, but could you kind of explain that idea in your own words? Yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Um, again, going back to ICOs. So these projects, you know, may launch and then they say, you know, we have 100 million tokens um, within our project, but we're going to keep 70% of those for ourselves and we'll sell the other 30% at some you know, ridiculous valuation. Right. So now the companies are automatically made like $100 million for not even delivering a product whatsoever, right? So almost with like Andre's revolution um, in terms of yield farming, you know, this whole fair launch concept was about, again, not having to give away your money for what may be potentially a worthless token. And you're also depositing in a sense, at a, a product that's already delivered. Whereas ICOs were just a bunch of white papers and promises to deliver and 90 plus percent, 95% of those turned out to be scams. In these, in some of these yield farms that you can see, um, the legitimate ones at least, you can see they're trying to bring an actual project um, to market from day one. Um, they just kind of need that liquidity boost. And so that's kind of why you're seeing a revolution here, or at least what Andre helped spark was because it, it created a lot more excitement, enthusiasm again um, in the mm -hmm. space kind of for all these token hunters or, or deal hunters or whatever you want to call them, speculators. Again, because they didn't have to worry about, I just swapped my ETH for a bunch of gobbledygook tokens, and then it just tanked overnight, right? It's more of like kind of like a proof of concept they deliver, you deposit in it, you may use the system to gain rewards for using that system. And then again, you can choose to, um, is this token valuable in itself? Is this project actually going to take off? Or do I just need to turn around and, and um, sell these reward tokens pretty quickly because there may not have any value to them? Yeah, well said. And there's a lot of farms out there now what should a new farmer look at to determine if they should or shouldn't use that platform? Is it just the oh, price that's... history of the token or are there different features between each farm? So, I mean, it's, it's an amazing question because, I mean, almost weekly, there's a scam in crypto. Um, they, they're referred to as rug pulls. So you go and deposit your money there. And then, you know, the, you have this metaphorical yanking of the rug where they sweep away all the money and they run away and everybody's toppled over and bankrupt, right? Left, so left holding um, a, basically a bag of, of worthless, tokens. worthless tokens. Yeah, exactly. And you see it kind of, even if it's not a scam, you know, there's uh, what's called forking, basically doing like a photocopy of somebody else's project. You can take that code, tweak it just a little bit, rename it and launch a farm. And maybe a bunch of people rush in there because they just want to get the tokens. But if you look at like sashimi is one of them, it just overnight, you see this huge spike in price and then boom, down to worthless, right? And so that's um, a risk in some of these farms. If you're just rushing to try to get some crazy APY return on your money, 
you could just end up being holding something that's completely worthless and, and you've spent more in gas kind of jumping from farm to farm. So yeah. uh, for, before we go any further, actually, I, I want to talk about the security and the differences. I think a lot of people are probably like, wait, farm? Like, aren't we listening to a crypto podcast? They don't really understand like what a farm technically like is. And so can you walk us through from like a user experience standpoint, like somebody like goes to harvest.finance um, instead of, you know, going somewhere else, right? They go to harvest.finance, www. And what are they supposed to do? Like, what's the objective that somebody who's just now learning about cryptocurrency, who, you know, bought their first Bitcoin in 2017 is just now checking back on crypto now that that Bitcoin's worth more. And they're like, what, what's a farm? Like, why, what am I doing? Like crypto has changed so much since 2017. Sure. Farms didn't even exist. So, yeah, I mean, so going back to just the original discussion about yield farming, um, a farm would just be any of the platforms that's handing out those reward tokens, right? So it's just, you know, just an, an acronym for or an analogy for they're giving away money. So if I plant my money there, eventually over time, a crop of rewards grow that I can harvest and then sell. Ah, for profit, there's right? the analogy. So there's your analogy right there, right? So Harvest Finance now takes it a step further and they're like an aggregator of all the farms that kind of pop up that are known to be safe and that have kind of shown that they would have like a constant return of money or essentially worth harvest time for programming a strategy to, you know, go to those farms and perform farming. And so the key difference though with Harvest is when you go to a um, an individual yield farm as an individual farmer and you deposit your money, um, they quote you in an APY. So that's a compounding percentage over an entire year. But compounding um, actually takes some progressive steps to complete. So as an individual user, you go, you deposit your money, your crops start to grow, and now you need to harvest that. Then you need to sell it and then you need to convert it into the original item that you deposited in. So if like I deposited USDC, but they're giving me curve tokens as a reward, I need to withdraw curve tokens, which costs a fee. I need to sell the curve tokens, which costs a fee. Then I need to deposit back in my original USDC deposit, which costs a fee. And these are network fees, right? So those fees can add up when Ethereum is very expensive to transact on, where it could cost you $400 yeah. to do an actual round of compounding. Harvest Finance, think of it very simply as like you're carpooling with other farmers. You deposit your money at Harvest with a thousand other people. It takes all people. that complexity away from it. Yeah, it automates it. And it does it, it treats like all thousand people pooled together in that one carpool. It treats you just like as one giant farmer. And now the costs are to one giant farmer, that $400 cost is now divided up by a thousand people. So instead of it costing you individually 400, it now costs you like a fourth of a penny or whatever that divides out to be, right? So it automates it and dramatically reduces the, the costs um, for farming itself. And so this is kind of a, a product that you could have for somebody coming from mainstream because one of Harvest or many of Harvest's um, strategies are based on stable coins, right? So like if you think some guy from Wall Street, you know, they may be wary or Aunt Matilda may be wary of Ethereum because overnight you're up 20% and then down 50% or, or whatever it is, right? But in theory, in a stable coin, it's pegged to a dollar, dollars a dollar. So if Aunt Matilda puts in $10,000 of her savings account into um, one of these platforms, they can at least feel comfortable that they're farming money with lower risk and may not be losing money in the backside because the mm. asset they deposit itself is devaluating, right? Yeah. So if you think your dollars at a, a bank are making 0.75% interest, maybe Harvest Finance, their strategies are doing like 20 to 50%, depending on the strategy you use, uh, you know, a year. So, I mean, think of that 50 times what a standard bank is giving you today that can be accomplished um, legitimately on Harvest Finance or within uh, decentralized finance today. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that that is the point that, you know, I definitely want to drive home to viewers is that. A lot of people think, um, you know, you have a high, a high yield savings account or something. Like you said, you're making a, a 0.5 or 0.75% interest on it. But crypto enables this world of holding, you know, a US dollar equivalent 
and getting a yield on it um, for, you know, like you said, between 20 and 50%. And so whenever I see yield, though, I always think there's a little bit more risk attached to it because yield generally is kind of a function of risk. Um, junk bonds are, are, you know, higher yielding because there's more risk that somebody defaults on it or that um, it doesn't get paid back and, and stuff like that. So with the very, like, how would you how would you kind of think about um, like the different like kind of levels of risk? Is there like in, are the strategies graded by like higher risk, higher yield and like lower risk? Or how could somebody kind of think about like, you know, Hey, wow, I've got $10,000 in my savings account. I maybe want to put in $5,000 and split it up against a couple different high yields. Is that something that could be possible? Yeah. So there are definitely um, different strategies. So like I mentioned, there's just pure, like stable coin, dollar to dollar, you're not gonna have to worry about asset fluctuation. And then there are other ones that are called like DGEN um, labeled um, strategies, which- why, Why do people call it DGEN? Because the asset themselves are very volatile. So you could deposit, you know, $1,000 of this asset and supposedly be making 300% uh, return on your money. So you're like, oh man, this is insane. But then the asset itself just lost 50% because it's just, you know, just one of those. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's very speculative in a sense to use that asset. And we mark those specifically to say, hey, this one, this one comes with like a different degree of risk. We have little icons and tool tips that say, you know, kind of be careful when you're using this one, because this isn't a quote unquote lossless type of strategy. Um, there's risk in all of this stuff in DeFi. So yes, every user should be aware, do your own research. This is not investment advice. This is all like educational information, yeah. but, um, but these you know, are kind this, of like the banks of the future in a sense. They're, they're, yeah, they're performing there is because, a very similar function. Yes. Um, just the users kind of have to be aware. Like I very make it akin to like the um, American wild West, right? Like there was a, a lot of fortunes to be made. Um, you could go and like stake your claim on free land, but there was a lot of dangerous stuff like snake oil salesmen and, you know, robbers. And so you just had to be like very careful in what you're doing. But then there was a, a potential again to like remake your future, right? And become rich or whatever. So users just need to be very careful and be aware of what they're getting into. Don't listen just because Elon Musk is yelling Dogecoin, right? And you see the market pumping, you know, 40%, you YOLO into that. And then all of a sudden you're bankrupt, right? Like, because you were listening to some celebrity. So, you know, don't listen to Red, um, maybe listen to him. So then that catapults you into doing your own research, but, you know, never buy something because somebody's just like randomly tweeting about it, right? Um, yeah. But yield farming kind of avoids all of that, again, because it's like at Harvest Finance specifically, they're not trying, you know, you when you deposit USDC and it goes out and farms the curve token, you're not gaining the curve token. The system is automatically dumping them and getting you more USDC. So that's like the really the big upside of Harvest Finance is as an individual farmer, again, you would have to sell that curve token or make the decision if you want to keep it. Whereas Harvest Finance, if you decide you wanted to deposit those digital dollars, all you're going to do is continuously gain more digital dollars, right? But there is a risk out there. There there are hacks. There are, you know, this is cutting edge technology that's really like still teething itself, right? But again, it's kind of like that Wild West mentality. Um, If you're brave enough to kind of go out there and be on that cutting edge, you can strike a claim for yourself, right? Um, But you just have to be very aware of those risks. Yeah, very, very well said. I wanted to ask you uh, about the community because as a community manager, uh, you've got a very unique vantage point between the developers and the users. I was a community manager myself for a long time. And it's a very unique challenge that you face. First off, I want to ask you, what value does a community have for a yield farming project versus a proof of stake versus a layer one or a cryptocurrency where they're trying to get millions, if not billions of users to use this thing, but a yield farm, you know, can be successful with a much smaller amount or even, you know, just individually running the strategy. Is that correct? You know, what values a community have? Like how important is it to the success of this project. So, I mean, to me, in my opinion, it's one of like the cornerstones, like one of the big pieces of foundation of any project that's going to start up. And that, then there's kind of like just various different aspects to that. Um, 
you know, like is you see like even in history today is like even the greatest product or like invention in the world can die on the vine because you didn't really like sell it right or you didn't really hype it right. And so a lot of crypto is very like salesmanship kind of shilly stuff. And unfortunately, even if you have a really good, strong product, you really have to tap into the the, the psyche of, of people. Um, I found it interesting, like Andre Kranji actually wrote a, an article about this two or three days ago, you know, basically talking about he has like four different projects ready to go, but they don't really have tokens. So as soon as he releases them, somebody's just going to fork his project and create them with tokens. So then they can create, create hype and the speculatory nature around those tokens. And people will flock to that versus his project, even though, you know, he's supposed to be like the godfather of like all this yield farming stuff. It's just kind of the mentality and psychology of, of crypto today. So, you know, it's very important you know, in every type of project, whether you're a quote unquote, just like a, cur- a base cryptocurrency layer one or your layer two Matic, whatever, you know, you have to understand the psychology of like what people want in a sense, it's like free money, but then also um, ease of use, um, like customer service, because, you know, crypto can be hard. It can be challenging right now. The UXs aren't as easy. Um, if you mistype an address to send to, you can lose your million dollars because you just sent it to a dead address. You can never recover it from, right? So all of these protocols that are new and developing, um, and this kind of speaks to a DAO, I think people just think DAOs are, hey, you can vote and, you know, maybe something will get implemented. But really, when you're a decentralized autonomous organization, which means DAO, um, who's there providing the customer service, right? Who's there explaining how the protocols works? Who's there when something breaks um, and the developers are busy programming or doing something, right? So when you have a project like Harvest Finance that at one point had a billion dollars in it, there's going to be a lot of people that you need to communicate with that maybe not understand how the system works or why didn't they earn as much or why didn't my withdrawal work? What's the next strategy that's coming out? Um, let's partner with you. Um, yes, like you know, that's just another a different another different facet. Working together and collaborating with other projects, um, like AP Wine Finance is a, a project that was starting up and harvest through its kind of like collaborative DAO initiative. We call it the council of 69. We voted to contribute 50,000 to their project. They listed farm um, as a token on their platform, which you can deposit farm farm has like a theoretical yield over a month. If you have like an APY of 200% or whatever, you can break that down to what it would um, output for a month. And you can actually leverage future yield against your farm token ahead of time. Like a payday advance is like the simple way of thinking about it. And so now you have payday in hand a month ahead of time, which you could degen into something else, right? And that all comes from like a DAO aspect and trying to work together with other projects. So um, community is very important because that's how those two projects came together. Those two projects kind of saw each other and like, whoa, let's make this happen. It wasn't just two devs randomly coming across each other and talking, right? So it's so layered and so important to have a very strong and vital community. Um, I, you know, I go back to mentioning you can have the greatest product in the world, but if you don't really market it right or you don't have that connectivity, I've been in projects that I know of one right now that I think their product is amazing. It could be a game changer, but they've neglected their community so badly. Like it's just like, it's pretty much dead in the water. Right. And, and that saddens me because I kind of, I spent a lot of time with that project over three years and to be a community manager where the project doesn't want to focus on community. I mean, imagine how tough that is. Right. So, to, so yeah, to answer your question, I think community is critical in every aspect, no matter what type of project you're trying to type, trying to deploy. Yeah, and, and I real I actually want to dive in. My mind is going in a lot of different directions, so I want to dive into kind of how you became a community manager. Like, you know, I think that's you know a lot of people are probably wondering, like, wow, this guy knows so much about building communities in crypto. You know, where do you come from and how do you do it? I want to talk about that, but before we kind of leave this uh, this idea of all these tokens and these yield aggregators. What happens to these? So like if, for instance, Compound is locked up in a DeFi um, yield aggregator or something um, and Compound has a vote, does farm, do farm holders have meta governance over the tokens that are locked inside of that, um, of that, of that strategy? 
No, because we're instantly selling them. So we're not holding those tokens that we farm for any significant period of time. So it may be like 24 hours. So it's not like index hours. group or anything like that. No, 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 no. Yeah, we we haven't really moved into that. Like it could be something that we consider, but like ultimately we're like a, a peer um, yield farming aggregator. Like as I explained before, you know, you don't hold the CRV token or gobbledygook token at any point. You're mm. always just compounding what you originally deposited. So you deposit a USDC. Yeah, it may be farming idle and compound, but it's selling them every, you know, 24 to 72 hours to get you your USDC and compound your balance. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So yeah, so let's dive into a little bit about like how you how you found uh, not only cryptocurrency, but also like this particular project. And, you know, why did this really capture your heart? Um, so for me, um, my brother-in-law, um, he's really into cryptocurrency. He's been into a couple years longer than I have. Um, he's really big into the the crypto space. Uh, Cipher underscore punk, I think is his Twitter handle. Um, oh, gee. So he does like, <laughs> yeah, he does some... Um, some NFT stuff, but he was, he'd been telling me about this, man, you got to check out Bitcoin, Ethereum. And for me, I had heard about Bitcoin years ago, but I'm like, this is, this sounds dumb, like magic internet money. This sounds ridiculous. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But then when he told me about like the evolution and Ethereum and smart contracts, that's when it kind of clicked for me, like this whole decentralized nature, because I'm a gambler by heart. I love betting on football. I love going to Vegas and roulette and playing craps and stuff like that. So immediately in my mind, when he mentioned Ethereum and like these decentralized applications, I'm like a casino on the blockchain that's global, that can use one currency that everybody uses. There's no government intervention. This can be, this could be like Vegas, like times a million, right? If, if Vegas is doing 50 billion a year, imagine what a globalized Vegas could do. Um, that's what really got me. Okay, I'm going to go look at blockchain and see what this Ethereum thing's all about. Um, I kind of stumbled into like at the same time. So Peer Plays, which was one of the first projects I'm looking at, they're still grinding away. It's very cool. Um, they they're one of the first uh, random number generated certified in North America on the blockchain, right? So really cool. You've probably never heard of these guys. They're a very small project, but they're just really trying to build a way and innovate. So I kind of, that was from like the gambling aspect. I'm like, okay, this one I'm looking at in terms of, um, you know, what really piques my interest in terms of gambling. But then I saw um, Token Card, which is now known as Monolith. And that was basically a, a smart contract wallet where then you could spend on a Visa debit card. I'm like, okay, this is what makes the magical mo internet money real now, right? Because now you can monetize it easily, swipe with a credit card. This should be game changer, yeah, revolutionary. That was your aha so, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, this is best of both worlds. All the money that I win gambling, I can spend on a crypto card, right? This is awesome. So that's kind of like, okay, now I'm like addicted. I got to learn all about crypto. And I just kind of really dove in. I was helping out like Monolith just because I love to talk and like, I'll sit down and have a beer with you and we, we can talk crypto all the time. Right. So for me, it was just hanging out in a chat room. This is going to be amazing visa, crypto card, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of being so helpful. They're like, Hey, do you want to help moderate the project? Four years later, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still helping out, but I've kind of, the space has kind of evolved and grown so much during that period when yield farming, like Renaissance kind of took off. Um, harvest finance sprung up because, you know, as we alluded to earlier, you know, you have all these forks popping up that may be fly by night tokens that may not be worth anything. You have potentials for scams. And if you don't know how to read code, like I don't really know how to read smart contract code. I can't tell if a rug is uh, a rug pull is programmed in, but a project like harvest finance, again, automates all the, the compounding reduces all the costs to the user. And they're doing all the security checks for me. Right. So now I don't have to jump from 
like farm to farm to farm and do all the chasing, I can just put my money there and I know they're going to do the farm jumping for me, find the best return for my money. And it was the kind of the same thing with a uh, token card monolith. I just joined their chat room and I'm like, I want to deposit my money here. Okay. Let me talk to other users. Let me figure it out. And I became a moderator like after a week and I've kind of just been hanging out ever since. And like at, at Harvest, we're like, in a sense, like a commune, not necessarily like a, a, a straight hardcore DAO. Um, the difference being like on a, on a DAO, decentralized autonomous organization, their token may be explicitly just for voting rights, right? There's no, there's no other really um, valuation or uh, tokenomics associated with that item. At Harvest, the main driver is really a revenue share. Um, there's over 75 different um, strategies or farms active at Harvest Finance, and a 30% profit uh, rake is taken from those farms and push to holders of the farm token. So it's essentially like kind of like a, a revenue share token, which then also has voting rights on the back end. Um, if the developers are going to um, deploy something they feel is kind of like a major shift in the philosophy of what we're doing, um, or if they just really want to make sure that we're kind of staying in tune to um, the ideologies of like what the community wants, um, we'll put things out there for a vote. And then people can use the token itself for a vote. Uh, but to like the commune aspect or, or back to me, like what my role is, um, there's like nine, 10 other people that are serving in the same kind of role as me that are just people that kind of showed up, saw that Harvest was really cool and wanted to help out. Because uh, one thing I've mentioned is the devs itself for Harvest Finance are actually fully anonymous. I have no idea who they are. I've never met them other than working through Discord. <laughs> so that's kind of like this weird, like, paradigm you're working in in crypto and decentralized finance is like again with no owners in theory of a platform uh, if it's truly decentralized or in case of harvest where you have like anonymous developers like i'm a dude just off the street now talking on a podcast representing some platform that has 500 million dollars in there like would that ever happen in like the traditional world like hey guy off the street come represent wells fargo on this podcast for us right like that just like blows my mind sometimes but it oh it's opening like a kind of like whole new like economic system too in a sense like if you almost think like with lyft and airbnb all of a sudden you went from like these taxi licensed kind of like monopoly kind of thing to like anybody could be a taxi driver right and so like now anybody can be a, a trader in decentralized finance anybody can be a community marketer in decentralized finance and there's no like predefined skill set almost right like i was talking to a headhunter and he was like it's so hard like um, finding people in the crypto space because like what are the qualifications this this place is so new right so like to me like that's what's so cool about being a community manager is like there's just so many opportunities like especially at harvest finance um, i do community stuff i talk on podcasts i'm not good at smart contracts but we have three or four other people that are amazing smart contracts brandon tfr um, we have people that help run our, our creativity contest pooper poopster major boobage and bart all these unique names right are running these you know contests that give away you know ten thousand dollars in money Again, because we're all in this like burgeoning ecosystem um, that wouldn't be available in the traditional world because, you know, how often do you really have a controlling voting interest um, in a giant organization as a billion dollars in the traditional world? You, you really don't. Right. But here going back to kind of why if community is so important, um, really making sure you're connected into their community, that they understand your platform, what your token is truly meant to do. And then their vote, you know, really, truly mattering, right? And then you can see them on the blockchain, there's transparency for all of that. So um, I just think, you know, with DAOs, not only revolutionizing, like how you can make money as an individual, you're taking the power away from these like traditional institutions and empowering just some random dude like me um, who was looking to make some money, um, but now is able to participate in like something that was never accessible before. You had to be like, um, I can't remember what it's called, like a registered investor. You had to be like 1% institutional investors, like only 1% qualify for. Well, now decentralized finance opens this up to 100% of people, right? And again, now you can have a vote in these billion-dollar organizations, some random guy like me. So I think that's just mind-blowing um, still to me, and I think it's probably mind-blowing to your viewers too in a way. It absolutely is. 
Can you give us some tips on building a strong community and mm-hmm. also uh, some of the, tell us a story about when your community really started to get big and you, every community or company runs into uh, a roadblock when they have to scale. Like it's all good when you're just a small group of like-minded people, but when you have suddenly an inflow of double, triple, quadruple the size of your community in a month, and they're all just chasing money today, right now, and they don't care about the longevity of the project or the farm token. How do you guys handle that and still stay strong? Man, that's that's a really good question because those are the tough days um, when something goes wrong, the the token price goes down. Um, you just have some people that are just so singularly focused on themselves and their immediate profit return. Um, you just kind of have to deal with the stone throwing because um, ultimately, like like at Harvest Finance, like it's not like a quick get rich quick scheme, right? Like you know we're a steady progressive. You know, deposit your money here, we'll get you an honest return on your money. Uh, we're not going to like fake three thousand APY here. Come rush to us and then you know rug pull or crash on you over that overnight, right? So I think you know just people understanding um, again the difference between like what a harvest is offering versus what some of like these other platforms are offering and the difference between just a a yield farm, which is some random platform popping up, trying to grab your attention versus again, a harvest finance, which is almost like a truly like an investment fund in itself, right? Like put your money here and we'll strategically help you make a good return on your money um, over time people aren't necessarily very well educated on that. They just come in and they want, Hey, give me my money today. I deposited my money yesterday and it's now six hours later. Why don't I have X amount? Right. And the system doesn't necessarily work like that. Right. So a big piece of it is just kind of dealing with those waves when they come, when you have some of those people that are really being agitators. And to me, like my philosophy is like always kill with kindness, right? Like if you continue to just be nice to somebody and try to be helpful, like genuinely helpful, if they're just going to continuously um, to be unkind, well, that's on them. You can only go so far, right? And I think really that's the biggest issue with scaling, like specifically in Harvest, is just like more complainers than anything because ultimately the system is very intuitive. Go to the website, you have X currency, click deposit, and then you should be earning, right? Generally, it's kind of like, hey, my transactions didn't go through or you know, some kind of general troubleshooting. Those are the things that we deal um, with scaling in, in communities per se. So I can just remember, um, it's generally back like when hacks happen, when you have an issue, whether it's like, um, one, there was one at Wire and there was one with Harvest in its original days. And that was hard because everybody's kind of panicking. You have a lot of people creating FUD stuff that you're just like, where did you get this from? Right. And again, they're just throwing rocks and you can get mad and try to fight back and yell, but that's not really helpful. You just kind of have to be patient, understand like, why are these people frustrated? Right. Like ultimately that's the psychology of it. Like no matter the words they're using, they're spewing at, at you, but what are they really trying to say to you underlying it? They're mad because they lost some money. Right. So just because somebody's saying it nicely versus somebody's saying it really terribly, if you can just kind of understand the underlying concept of what they're saying and not let the words phase you, I think that's kind of like one of the, the tips as a community manager that I would tell everybody is kind of like, don't feed the trolls. Um, kind of like kill with kindness and try to understand what are they trying not don't don't read the words that they're saying trying to understand like the underlying principle that they're trying to relate to you and respond to that right yeah I think that's like a, a phenomenal rule not only just in in communication and in life generally but also in markets right like when when people are panic selling because prices have fallen they're, they're panic selling because they're in a protective mindset and they're, they're losing money and they're getting scared. So they're kind of adding to the fuel of the fire. So, you know, if you kind of feel yourself in that sort of uh, mindset as, as there's a big sell-off, ask yourself, well, is this like kind of a shared emotion by a lot of people? And knowing that 90% of people in the markets always end up paying the 10%, uh, you should take a contrarian viewpoint and kind of buy into that fear um, and then sell kind of when everybody gets greedy. Of, of course, it's a lot easier said than done. Uh, but that's kind of like, you know, that basic concept uh, to, to, to trading as well that, that a lot of people talk about. So it was one of the kind of things that stuck out about what you just said about managing the community and remembering that at the end of the day, 
prices are people, right? I mean, people are trading these things and, you know, a price is only an expression of some, somebody's, you know, forward, you know, looking anticipation of what's going to be in the future. Is price going to go up? Then I'm going to buy it. Is price going to go down? Then I'm going to sell it. And so kind of always having those things at the forefront of your mind, I think are, are going to serve a lot of people. And in red, kind of before we let you go, we've, uh, we've got a question um, well, I mean, I actually want to have you on here for, for a long time. We have another person coming in here in the next few minutes. So uh, are you still good on time? You got, you got time for a few more yeah, questions? Yeah, man. Let's yeah, keep talking. Yeah, okay, let's cool, do this, man. Cool. Yeah, let's keep going. I'm curious about ETH 2.0, right? I mean, that's it. You know, so A, I saw in the comments section of, of one of these uh, reviews that somebody said, hey, Bryce keeps saying ETH. I don't know what ETH is. So sorry, it's Ethereum 2.0, ETH. I'm just shortening uh, the, the, the front of it. So I'm, I'm referring to Ethereum 2.0, which is launching, which is going to be a whole new protocol, a whole new chain. Um, and a lot of these projects like Harvest Finance and like a lot of the other you know, tokens in the decentralized finance or DeFi space are built on top of Ethereum. Um, so tell us you know, at a very high level, you know, why is Ethereum 2.0 happening and how projects like yours um, are thinking about kind of navigating this switchover? Sure. I mean, the, the simple way to say it is um, the way that Ethereum 1.0 um, is built is it just basically in order to handle all the new people that want to use the network and to, to handle this like huge growing DeFi system. Um, all the new demand, it basically, right? Yeah, it basically in a sense almost needs to be like rebuilt and that's kind of like what Ethereum 2.0 is, like a brand new network that has a lot bigger pipelines that data can flow back and forth and sharding, um, because that's kind of like the issue um, with Ethereum 1.0, right? Like to make it very simple, like blockchain is just a, a digital ledger. Like think of a bank, right? Like you start out with a million dollars and then now the ledger starts assigning out to that a million dollars and who's transferring back and forth, you know, over and over again, right? But as 10 million people are transacting on this blockchain ledger, the record keeps get longer and longer and longer and longer. And it's now very huge for the system to look back at that record every time to make sure every transaction can be validated and accurate. And that creates all these bottlenecks within the network, right? So that's a very simplified version of looking at it. Um, Ethereum is trying to split that up in terms of shards um, to create the, allow the network to be more efficient, right? So um, that's, a little bit ways out. I think they're still saying like a year and a half, two years out before that really deploys. <laughs> in six months, things can be way different in cryptocurrency, right? Things are moving light speed. So the answer, what is Harvest going to do in a year and a half from now? Will Harvest even exist for a year and a half from now? <laughs> I have no idea, right? Because you can go from yield farming to something completely else. Um, but that's why you really have to be um, nimble in the cryptocurrency space, like as a project like Harvest Finance. And I think yeah. that's actually one of their core strengths is they're very quick to deploy new strategies, yield farming strategies. We're farming NFT stuff now, right? Because there was a big NFT boom. So I just think, you know, being nimble, being able to change and adapt, whether it's, you know, a new layer coming out like Polygon Matic, you know, there's all these layer two popping up, uh, Binance Smart Chain popped up and all, all these farms started moving over there. So what did Harvest Finance do? We deployed on Binance Smart Chain in addition to Ethereum, right? So to me, I just see Ethereum 2.0 being another evolution of that. Whether we stay on ETH 1.0 or co-deploy on ETH 2.0, have no idea. Too far away, right? But ultimately, I think you just see historically harvest on the tractors wherever there's yield and wherever there's opportunities. So that'll be ETH 2.0 as well. I love that. Let's turn on the tractors. Let's plow some profits, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Red, outside of harvest and some of the yield farming stuff, what else going on in crypto has you really excited right now? What okay, keeps I'm coming across so your excited. desk? I'm so excited about this one platform. I'm actually helping them out. Um, so this goes back to my like my, my degenerate crypto or gambling. Um, and if you think, if you know anything about like margin trading, trading on like 5X leverage or 10X or 100X, right? Like for every dollar that the market moves up or down, if you're doing 5X trading, it's really like $5 movement, right? But when you're doing that, if let's say you make a bet saying, I think Ethereum's going to go up 
So I'm going to place a 5x multiplier bet on that. Well, if Ethereum actually goes down, you're losing five times your money. <laughs> and so what can happen is in crypto, whether it's like exchange shenanigans, somebody's messing the market, the market can flash crash on you, completely liquidate your position, and then also put you in what's called a margin call, which means not only did you lose, let's say the $5,000 bet that you made, they want another $5,000 from you because the market lost your money so fast they couldn't get you out of the position quick enough, right? So now all of a sudden you've just lost your kid's college fund because, you know, again, something goofy in crypto happened. There's this new uh, platform coming out called Complify, C-O-M-P-F-L-I. No, wait, did I spell it? C-O-M-P-L-I <laughs> dot F-I. Sorry, spelling on the spot, right? Complify. It's basically like a Uniswap um uh, exchange. So you can deposit, let's say $5,000 digital dollars there. And what it does is it creates $2,500 in short tokens and $2,500 in long tokens, right? And so now traders can come in and buy from a pool of tokens that actually have backed value and they can do a 5X trade on Ethereum without ever having to worry about losing more than they put in, right? Because their ownership is in collateralized tokens versus like on a centralized exchange, which controls like the price of the token or like the price of Ethereum because you're relying on their price feeds. Um, and that's why you can lose more than the money you deposited in at Complify because this is all like tokenized. Your ownership is tokenized. If the market crashes, you only lose what the value of that specific token that you hold is, right? Then the other benefit is on normal margin trading, when a market crashes and wipes you out your $5,000, they immediately close out your position. So you can't get back into the game. But at Complify, even if your token flash crashed down to zero or whatever, as long as the market is still open for like the 30-day period, you're still in the race. So I compared to like, I wrote an article about this. So this may be a little bit complicated, just trying to explain over podcasts. I can give you a link um, on an ELI five article that I wrote, but think of like when the new England Patriots came back to beat um, the Falcons, like 28 to three, they were down 28 to three. And then the, the Patriots came back and won 32 to 28. Imagine if they ended that, that game. Pre <laughs> yeah. Imagine <laughs> if that game ended prematurely because the, it was such a big blowout at the time, right? Oh, you're never going to come back from that. And that's kind of what like a forced liquidation is um, in crypto, right? They say, oh, you're never going to come back from this 5,000 loss. Give us our money, right? But at Complify, again, because every position is kind of tokenized, even if your token goes to zero, you're still in the game until that market is completely final at the end of 30 days. So we've kind of seen that, especially with the market kind of today, everybody was going long, going long. And then you had this boom market dump this past four days. And you've seen like, I think it was like $6 billion were liquidated in the traditional like crypto markets of long and short positions. In Complify, nobody got liquidated because the market doesn't close until the end of the 30-day period, right? So even if you got quote-unquote wrecked in this market dump, you're still in the game for another 10 days because there's 10 more days left in the month. So that's what's really exciting to me, just kind of like to recap is like normally if you went to bed and you had a 5X long in a normal exchange, it could have flash crashed overnight and you owe somebody $10,000, right? And you're liquidated and there's nothing you can do about it. Talk about a sleepless night in crypto where you know exchanges are wildly volatile. At Complify, you're still participating in the same exact game, but a flash crash doesn't ruin you. Flash crash doesn't cost you any more that you'd have participated in. And again, you're not forced liquidated. So you can wake up in the morning and be like, oh, that market really killed me. Well, I still got 10 days. I can hedge my position. I can buy tokens the other way. I can buy the blood in the streets, like you said, and buy some more long tokens yeah. because now everybody's panicked. So it's just a very cool system now in decentralized finance. Again, you don't have to go do some credit check with some centralized exchange to do margin 5X trading. This is all tokenized, completely DeFi, and anybody can do it again because it's globalized. Whereas like if you wanted to participate on BitMEX 5X or Binance 5X, you have to do KYC. You can't live in certain countries. You have to do all this stuff. So again, this is just another like revolution in DeFi 
taking derivatives and cutting out all the scary parts that could bankrupt somebody and still having that very still degenerative, I want to make a five times multiplier bet on the market, right? That's what's very exciting to me because I would never touch margin trading knowing a flash crash could happen and I get a margin call the next day. There's just no way but my wife would kill me, right? But you're these leveraged tokens. Like they're yeah, they're cool. Because, <laughs> yeah, they're cool because again, I can, I'm making money in yield farming, right? And then, you know, so I can take a little bit of that and make a, a 5X bet on the market. Oh, and if that pays off, sweet, I'll throw it back into yield farming, right? So there's all these really cool complex, we call them money Legos, um, you know, deposit money at Harvest Finance. They give you farm token. You can take that farm token, deposit at APY Finance, earn some tokens from them, leverage your farm token there for future yield, that paycheck advance I was saying today, take that future yield, put it at Complify, and now you can farm Complify tokens. So now you're farming farm, the comfy token, and the APY token, all using the same string of money, right? And that's what you can accomplish in decentralized finance, which you couldn't even fathom in traditional finance today, right? Wow. And so that kind of just ties again, I think all these themes that we've been talking about through this entire conversation is like community enables that, right? Community enables all these projects coming together. Community enables voting. Community enables the liquidity and for all these projects to exist. And so that's why, you know, my role and all the other 10 people at Harvest Finance or any of these other projects, that's why um, community is extremely vital, whether you're a DAO or, or not a DAO, you know, community is customer, right? And people don't want to see a commercial. People want to hear it word of mouth, right? Uh, oh, I made $10,000. What? Are you serious? Show me how you did that, right? As opposed to watching some financial commercial. It says, deposit your money today and we'll give you X percent, right? Like you always want to hear it word of mouth from somebody else. So I think that's why crypto and community go so hand in hand and why it's extremely important and without community like all of this stuff that we talked about today wouldn't happen i think that's the best thought to close the episode on red thank you so much for spending an hour with us and educating us on yield farming margin dows so much this has been a great episode we definitely look forward to having you back uh sometime in the very near future to continue the conversation I appreciate it. Please have me back anytime. I'd love to keep talking. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week with some more great guests. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.